This is the GOAT Level Podcast with your host, the GOAT, the legend, the hero, Van Pugh. So I can't play my podcast audio while I'm driving for Lyft. Note it. That's good to know. Well, I got to keep that in mind next time, but it's all good. I'm back like I never left. But how about that Super Bowl, though? How about that Super Bowl? It was a disappointment for pretty much everybody. I wanted the Bucks to win, but I wouldn't mind the Chiefs won. I mean, I know uh, Patrick Mahomes, half-black quarterback, and um, Andy Reid. Is, it's hard to root against Andy Reid because, well, he was the Eagles coach for a while, and you know, it's cool to see him do well finally, but, I, you know, I wanted to see Brady get number seven, further separate himself as the greatest of all time. And he did that. He did that. But it just, it it didn't feel as satisfying as I thought it would. Maybe because this is just not my team. It just didn't feel as satisfying because I started feeling bad for Patrick Mahomes because, man, he was running for his life. Especially in the second half. And also in the first half, the refs. The refs had some questionable calls. The Mike Evans pass interference, it looked like um, accidental tripping and the ball looked uncatchable. So that was bad. And then the, the call in the end zone and then the fact that the Chiefs had eight penalties and Buccaneers only had like two in the first half. Yeah, that's questionable. But it's like the even with all that, the Chiefs were only down twenty-one to six at halftime. You know, the fact that Patrick Mahomes was escaping the rush and was still making these unbelievable throws, it just shows you how great he really is. But I knew everyone knew that Tampa Bay's pass rush was going to be an issue. It's just that I didn't expect them to, to completely dominate the game. Like, they just, the loss of those tackles, and I, I guess they have a backup guard too, it it really was the difference in the game. It made a bigger difference than I thought it would. I, I can't believe it. It's crazy. It's crazy to me. That's how it turned out. And it is what it is. It is what it is. Tom Brady, seven titles. And now everyone's putting him up there. They're comparing him to Jordan. They're comparing him to LeBron James. LeBron James made a obligatory GOAT tweet, and I loved it because it's very on brand. It's very on brand. So I loved it. I just wanted to see greatness. People make this a race thing, you know, uh, because Tom Brady wore a Make America Great Again hat four years ago. But since then, he's distanced himself from Trump, and Giselle hates Trump. So, yeah, uh, so that's kind of a reach. We don't really, no one really knows the guy. Um, so I, I'll give him a break on that. And also, Tampa Bay, they got their offensive coordinator, Brian, Byron Leftwich. He's from D.C. and he's black. I love, I love the guy. And Todd Bowles, Todd Bowles is black. A black offensive coordinator, black defensive coordinator. You can't get any better than that. And Byron Leftwich, and, and also Todd Bowles played for the Redskins when they were not a sitcom and actually winning. So <laughs> they both got DC ties somehow. Happy for them. Tom Brady's killing it. I, I'm going to be real with you. I rooted for Tom Brady in every Super Bowl except the one, except the ones where he played against the Eagles. And for some reason, I didn't root for him against the Rams. But I was fine with him winning the, the second one against the Rams. Because the first one, no. Don't forget, the greatest show on turf squeaked by the Eagles the week before in in 2001. And I was pissed. Because I was Eagles were my new team and the Rams just beat them. I was pissed. So, of course, I wanted the Patriots to win. I was excited. And then they went against Carolina once again. Carolina beat the Eagles. I know it was my dad's team, but they beat the Eagles to get there. The Eagles were a better team. They just decided not to show up against the Panthers. And I didn't feel like the Panthers should have been there 
But they made the most of it, though. But I rooted for the Patriots in that one. Of course, they played the Eagles the next year. I couldn't root for the Patriots. And then against the Giants, both times. Of course, I root for I hate the Giants. I hate the Giants. Almost as much as the Cowboys. I don't. I do not like the Giants at all. And on the Giants, well, it, yeah, I was like the current. I was going to get into the current Giants, but don't, I don't worry about it. Eli Manning's overrated. That defense was like that. Uh, once again, oh, they played the Seahawks. Rooted for them against the Seahawks. It was kind of the same thing as the Chiefs thing right now. I didn't want to see the Seahawks go back to back. I didn't want to see the Chiefs go back to back. I didn't want to see a potential three-peat unless it was, you know, a team I actually really, really liked. And the Seahawks were kind of getting annoying. The Chiefs were starting to get annoying. So Tom Brady had to end both of those. Of course, I couldn't root against him, root for him against the Eagles. Philly special, Nick Foles. <laughs> oh, man. that I love that team so much, man. I'll never forget them. I don't know why I rooted for the Rams, but I have no problem with them losing. So there you go. The history of me rooting for Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. I didn't even put that in my notes, but there you go. I love how Antoine Winfield gave um, <laughs> Tyreek Hill the peace sign. And when you look back at it at how Tyreek Hill did the backflip and the peace sign on Antoine Winfield back in week 10, I have no problem with it. When it happened, I had no problem with it. it it's like when, whenever someone gets a taunting penalty for OU against one of our rivals, I never care. Like, I get caught up in the emotion of the game, and it's like, it's just good old healthy trash talk and adrenaline, and I have no problem with it. I loved it. Unsportsmanlike conduct, oh, it was, technically, but it was entertaining, and I loved it. Oh, man, I, I love how Brady... Guys, friends involved, uh, Gronk and Antonio Brown, like, they both caught touchdowns. And they were late additions to Tampa Bay. And it's cool, man. They were involved. And they got their rings. Antonio Brown is a Super Bowl champion. After all that stuff. I thought, we thought we he was never going to play football again because of all the stuff he did and went through. Now he's a Super Bowl champion. Leonard Fournette, Super Bowl champion, after what he went through in Jacksonville. This is awesome. Happy for those guys. I think it's going to be Bucks and Chiefs next year until I see something different. I just feel like everyone else is a step, well, like half a step below them. And when it comes playoff time, I think both teams will take their share of lumps but at the end of the day they're gonna meet up in la next year and you know we'll see if the chiefs can get revenge if not i'm cool with brady winning number eight <laughs> i know people really gonna be tired then i was like come on they're gonna be like come on eight titles eight come on and then you know we gotta hear all these conspiracies about cheating and refs i mean if if, if the game was just played in one half okay sure Second half, no, Chiefs had plenty of chances, and they just fumbled the bag. Kelsey dropping a pass on third down. Hartman dropping a pass in the end zone. Tyreek Hill dropping a pass in the end zone. Like, well, no excuse. You can't excuse that. Super Bowl halftime show, weird audio. I loved all the, you know, the different choreography and the uh, all the extra stuff and the, the set and the weekend going into some sort of box <laughs> and then and, and taking the, and then doing the little selfie video. Man, come on, man. That that was weird. It was all weird. It was strange. I thought it was going to be one of the best performances I've ever seen, but it turned out to be, eh, you know what? I can't say it was all right because I did like. The little uh, dance number at the end with the with the mask guys and and the red suits. Someone joked that that's the most people masked in Florida all year. <laughs> that was funny. That was funny. <laughs> but nah, man. Um, it it actually it actually wasn't bad. My initial reaction was like, eh, it's a disappointment. But actually, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad actually. Now I look back at it. I might have to look at it again. But I 
you know what? I finally decided to sit down and watch a halftime show. I think this was the first halftime show I've watched since 2016. <laughs> like, I just usually don't care. I usually just go ahead, go on and do other stuff. But I had to make sure I watched The weekend. Because I actually like The weekend Because he's very talented. And he said he poured $1.7 million into the... That's what really got my attention. He poured $1.7 million into the halftime performance of his own money. So I had to do that. I had to see what was this about. Not bad. Not bad. Um, Hey. Oh, and I made a tweet that Tampa Bay, when they won in 2002, I hated. I couldn't stand them because they beat the Eagles. I was salty. They embarrassed the Eagles. They suffocated the Eagles. They made me cry. As a 10-year-old. So I couldn't stand them back then. I love this team. Devin White. Inspiration. Inspirational performance. Every time you step on the field, it's just you. I love watching him play. Antoine Winfield, love watching him play. You know, Murphy Bunton and Davis. They're, they're kind of. They, they they grab a little too much for me. But, you know, they, they do their thing too. And Dominican Sue, JPP. Paul, um, Shaq Barrett. I love Shaq Barrett. I loved him in, in Madden, even though he was killing me in Madden. I, I just love going against him in Madden, you know, even though he'd be bodying me. <laughs> Bruce Arians, Todd Bowles, Brian Leftwich, like it, Tom Brady. Look, man, I, I, I like their little squad and, and their receivers. Oh my God. That was a much more fun team to watch compared to 2002 Tampa Bay. Where, you know, you look back at them and I'm like, you know what? That wasn't a bad team either. They they, they had Sapp and Brooks, Derek Brooks, Simeon Rice. I, okay, okay, that team wasn't bad. Yeah, Rondé Barber. I just hate how they beat it, how they beat the Eagles, okay? But this this 2021 version of the Bucks, oh, very exciting. And I hope they run it back next year. However, they've got to play against the Eagles. They play against the NFC East next year. They got to come to Philly. They got to play the Pats. I want to see all these games. They got to play Green Bay because they got a first-place schedule. They got to play the Saints, well, twice anyway. And they got to play Washington regardless. So... I can't wait to see all that. Those are going to be some great games. Now, if the NFL want max, max ratings, you would put the Bucks and Packs, the Bucks and the Patriots to start off the season. It's only right. The Bucks got to come to New England. What better way to start off the season? Oh, but it's got to be a home game. So, oh, whoop, can't do that. But it, uh, well, come on, just break your own rules. Do do Bucks and Patriots to start off season. That'd be great. But if they have to be at home, okay, fine. We can do Bucks and Saints. Let's do it. Now we'll see, man. We'll see. Fun season. Super Bowl is what it is. And you know, I'm ready to go on to the next one. <laughs> I spent like 15 minutes talking about this. Oh my God. Uh let's get on to the Wizards. The Wizards. Try. You know, I had some hope. Everyone was healthy against the Heat. They beat them by three, I believe. Yeah. They were just hitting their shots, man. Like, Bertans were hitting threes. Bill had a slow start, went off, had like 30-something points. Westbrook did his thing. Well, Westbrook didn't play that first game against the, the Heat. It just felt like, okay, we're finally turning the corner. We finally got something here. Westbrook, then Westbrook coming back the next game, I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to sweep them. Man, these guys were down 25 and at halftime. I'm like, God damn. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to get this one more quarter. They In the NBA, comebacks happen all the time. These guys got down 35, 38. I'm just like, I'm done. And then they, they just, they lost by damn near 30 points. Okay, we got the Hornets coming up. The Hornets aren't, are okay. They're not that good. They, about got, they got a similar record as the Heat. 
They're not as talented as the Heat. We can beat them. Got blown out by the by the Hornets in a game I'm pretty sure nobody really watched. It was an early game. Got blown out by the Hornets. Well, I be damned. Oh, and by the way, in that Heat game, uh, Bradley Bill only had seven, ending his streak of 17 games to start off the season with 25 or more points. But I'm going to talk about that later. Bro, what the heck? So you mean to tell me? We're not only not playing defense, but now we're not scoring either? That's how you get the blowouts. Oh, my God, bro. Everyone wants Scott Brooks fired. Everyone wants Bertans released or traded. No one's going to trade for Bertans. Um, the only people I can see to trade for Bertans, we just gave them a lot of money. Like, I can't see a really good team that is cash-strapped getting Bertans. Because he would fit well on a Lakers or a Nets or a Sixers who could use a ton of shooting with Embiid and Simmons. He would fit on a team like that perfectly. But, you know, I, I think all those teams are cash-strapped. So he's stuck with us. We're stuck with him. I mean, we're just waiting for him to get it together. He did have a, a solid game against the Heat, the game we won. But, man, oh, my God. Watching the Wizards is frustrating. Like, we win, we get all hype, then we take two steps back. We had that great win against the Nets, then we get blown out by the Blazers. We had that great win against the Heat. Get blown out by the Heat the next two nights after. Then you get blown out by the Hornets. I don't even care who they got next. They just got to get it together. Because if not, I mean, it's going. I'm telling you, the All-Star game, I don't think they're going to have it, by the way. I'll talk about that later, too. All-Star game's coming up. Better get it together. You better get it together. Because if not, woof, oh, you might as well tank. You might as well sit Bradley Bill down. Okay, maybe I'll get this till April. If we don't get it together by April, we'll, we're if we don't want to trade Bill and or Westbrook, then we're gonna have to sit them down by April to make sure they rest up, don't get hurt, and have them ready for next year. Tank, get our young, get our young players some experience, and then we draft somebody and we just get this thing rolling next year. And then obviously we got to get rid of Scott Brooks in that situation. But 5 and 15. However, the saving grace is we got Bill and Westbrook, two great players. Also, this playoff format, meaning 10 out of, I think it's 15, maybe 14, teams make the playoffs. All we got to do is be in 10. All it takes is one big winning streak. All it takes is one good winning streak, maybe a month or so of really good basketball, and we're in 10th place, and we're in this playoff tournament, and who knows what could happen then. That's the that's the glimmer of hope I have. Because right now, other than that, this is the worst team in the league. This is the worst team in the league, and it's awful to watch. And it's just stressful as a Wizards fan. You want to see them do well. But they keep loafing. They keep getting blown out by mediocre teams. And it's just awful to watch, man. And speaking of Bradley Bill and that streak, it was a very Jordan-like streak. He had the same streak in 88-89. However, in that season, he averaged a triple-double. Uh, almost. He had 32-8-8. Eight and eight. That's unbelievable. It was Bill was really on a Jordan-like run, and he had about two 50-point games. He had a 60-point game, very Jordan-esque. And I really I started comparing him to Jordan in 87 because their team wasn't very good, and he was scoring 37 points a game, and they were like a six seed, and he was scoring that many points. I don't even think they were a six seed. Yeah, they were a six seed. No, they might have been an eighth seed. I, they might have been an eighth seed. They weren't very good. What's really, what I really saw was 87-88, where both Bradley Bill and Michael Jordan had almost identical stats. The only difference is, obviously, Bradley Bill shoot more threes. He has a better three-point percentage. Not by much, surprisingly. Jordan barely shot threes, but somehow, some way, they're... Three-point percent is not that far off. He, Of course, Bill shot better free throws. Bill 
two-point percentage not that far off. Uh, rebounds and assists pretty similar. Points per game pretty similar. This is this is um, 87-88. However, Michael Jordan was all defense and had three skills, steals a game and almost two blocks a game. That is unreal. He did it on both ends. And Bradley Bill don't always do it on both ends. Is he somehow one of the better defenders on the team? Yeah. On a team like this, he still defense is, is better than a lot of other people on the team. But it ain't Jordan-level defense. It's just, I just like that comparison. He really looked like Jordan in 1989, in, 19, in the late 80s. It's just, he needs some help. You know, Westbrook, Westbrook ain't doing that bad. Okay, it's just, you know, sometimes we got to set him because, you know, load manage. Got to have him for the late stretch. But man, you know who ended Michael Jordan's streak? And I think it was 1989. The Pistons, who beat Michael Jordan six times. You know, (laughs) if you wanted a comparison to that, maybe the Sixers where it was to end the Bradley Bell streak. But no, it was the Heat. I was like, there's no way the Heat end. Bradley Bill Street. They ended Bradley Bill Street. And not only that, at least Jordan had like double digits against the Pistons when the Pistons ended his streak. Bradley Bill had seven. Unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. Um, unbelievable. I still think Bradley Bill continues to have a Jordan like season. But at some point, man, we got to play defense. We got to be more consistent. If not, we might as well tank and we might as well fade for Cade or get ready for uh, Jalen Suggs or maybe a big man. I was looking at it. Whoever the top big man is, I I know who it is, but I, I forgot. Or maybe we can skip this year and wait for next year when that kid from Minnesota comes out of the draft. Now that that guy is gonna be like that. <laughs> that Chet Holmgren? Oh man. Oh man. Whatever, man. Or you know, I'm also hoping we win so we can get later in the first round, so we can get that kid from Texas, Greg Brown. Oh my God, he like a stretch four, and he is. He has a crazy step back jumper. He's athletic. He's box office. He he posterizes people. He uh has amazing blocks. He plays good defense too. Man, I would love to have that kid later in the first round. But the way we're playing right now, we're we're gonna be top of the lottery. We're gonna be top five. Come on, Wizards. And then just when you thought it couldn't get any worse, then you got the Capitals. The Capitals. Man, oh man. After starting 6-0-3. Remember how I said last show, I was like, okay, here we go again. I was like, this team always starts off well. Then they get on a losing streak. Then they slump some more. And then they limp into the playoffs with a top seed somehow and still lose in the first round and lose in the first round. They end up losing in the first round. And hit, and I guess the process has started even sooner this time. Against the Bruins, up 3-0. I thought, okay, here we here we go again. Like, we good. We're going to win another game. We're going to be 7-0-3. And then it just all fell apart. One goal, that's fine. Two goals, okay. Three goals, you get worried. Four goals, I was like, oh, God. I was like, oh, my God. Then they scored an empty net, and I just turned off. I think it was the radio. Maybe it was the TV. Either way, I was like, I'm done. Lost to the Bruins after beating them the night before. Okay, fine. We, We had to lose eventually. Then we turn around and lose to the Rangers. I don't even like the Rangers. I don't like the Rangers at all. They're my third... Most disliked team in the NHL. Lose to the Rangers. Then, yesterday, we in a back and forth game with the Flyers. The Flyers pull away from us. We pull our goalie when it gets to 6-4. Oh, and this guy had a hat trick. You know, I forgot his name, but he had a hat trick. We gave up a hat trick. 
And then I knew the empty net goal was coming. I was like, they pulled the goalie. We're going to give up another empty net goal. They gave up the empty net goal, radio off. No, radio 95.5. I can't I can't listen to this no more. We're done. Three straight losses. Three straight regulation losses. We have came, come back down to earth. And it's happening sooner than usual. It's a shortened season, so maybe not sooner than usual. Maybe this is about the right timeline. Here we go again. What I say about the Capitals since we won the Stanley Cup. Start off well. Losing streak. Then we kind of bounce back. Then we suck. We limp into the top seed somehow. Then we lose in the first round. This is typical Capitals. Here we go again. I am hoping and praying. And by the way, Vanacek, who I've pretty much praised, while Sansonoff is out, and even before Sansonoff was out, I was like, oh, this guy could be starting. He got pulled against the Flyers. And we started our third string goalie, the guy we picked up, the veteran we picked up, Craig Anderson, I believe. Yeah, that's his name. Got to get it together. Because here we go again. Because if they keep messing around, they're going to be out in the first round again. And Ovi doesn't have many years left. He just scored two more goals. He don't have many years left. So we got to get it together. Because I want to see another Stanley Cup here. And I think we have the talent to do it. You know, we got the coach. We got it. We can do this. Just got to quit messing around. Because this is getting frustrating. Playing defense like the Washington Wizards. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. Before I get into the Sooner Schooner, this this Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts thing. Like, Jalen Hurts out here giving money to cancer patients. It's just a heartwarming thing. He, he's a really cool guy. I, I see why. All the ladies love him, especially the ladies in Alabama. <laughs> oh my God, they are they are all over him. I'm I'm not I'm not gonna lie, you know. I can see why everyone likes him, man. He he's such a he's such a good guy, man. He's he's a real dude, man. And um, yeah, that was pretty cool what I saw. And it just looks like day in day out. Well, it just looks like day after day. As we get closer to the season, well, this season just ended, to the next season, it just looks like Jalen Hurts is going to be the starter. Carson Wentz still wants out of Philly, and it looks like he's going to get his wish. Keep hearing reports about teams being interested in a deal pretty much being done. It looks like it's between the Bears and the Colts. And I heard another report saying it's going to be the Bears, they're going to trade Foles. They're going to trade Foles back to us, which is hilarious. Like, how how long can we keep up the big dick Nick, Philly legend, folktale? How how long are we going to keep this up, bro? Like, Nick Foles is good, but he ain't great. Let's, how long are we going to keep this going? We can't keep this going forever. He's going to retire eventually. But if we do go that route... That's fine. Like, that's fine. Having Jalen Hurts with Nick Foles as a backup is fine. We we can roll with that. And if that don't work out, just pick a quarterback in the next draft or two. We might pick a quarterback in this draft. I don't know. But what I'm really excited about is that the Bears might give up a first-round pick or two. I didn't expect to get any first-round pick for Carson Wentz. He might get two. I don't think they're going to give up two. Now, that's ridiculous. But if they give a, a first-round pick for Carson Wentz the way he declined last year, I will take it. Give me that. Give me that. I will take it all day long. I couldn't get nothing on Madden for, for Carson Wentz. Nothing. The Eagles in real life about to get a first-round pick. Oh, my God. We got to take. Oh, my God. That is a finesse. It is a finesse. I'm not saying Carson. Carson's probably is going to bounce back. Like, he's still really talented. But that is a finesse. I will take it. Give me that right now. An extra first-round pick in this draft? Are you serious? 
dog. We can get a first-round pick on offense and defense. It's over. The Eagles need it. So this week, expect a deal to be done, and he's probably going to the Bears or the Colts. Most likely the Bears, unless the Colts just swoop in with something better than what the Bears are offering, allegedly. Let's see. But, you know, I can't believe I turned on Carson Wentz that fast, but I just want the team to win, and he wants out. And it just it just wasn't a good look for him last year. And, I, I you know, I really like Jalen Hurts. I've been a huge Jalen Hurts fan since, well, I've been a, not huge, but definitely a fan since he became a Sooner. And then the, the way he carried us to the playoffs, Come on, man. It's it's hard not to get behind this guy. Let's get it. But now it's time for... Ha <laughs> ha. The Sooner Schooner. All right, man. Quick ride on the Sooner Schooner. Like, OU basketball, they're starting to slow down a little bit. They lost to Texas Tech. That was a hard-fought game. It's kind of like the first one where... They went back and forth with them, but somehow they couldn't hit a bucket when they really needed it. But this time, though, they shut down Mac McClung. He only has seven points. I don't think he had a field goal. He didn't have a field goal until like five minutes left in the game. They did a great job against him. I think both sides offensively, they, they weren't doing very well. And, you know, Texas Tech won. Oh, you let that slip away. It's sad. Sucks. The show must go on. I thought they were going to blow Iowa State away. But apparently, you know, this Iowa State coach has a pretty good record against OU. So once I saw that, I was like, oh, it makes sense to see how Iowa State is playing OU very tough. I was like, oh, boy. I watched a little bit before I went to flag football, and it was a close game. We were struggling. Iowa State was hitting their shots. And going into halftime, what was it, a tie game? Like, And then after the half, it was close. It was still close. And I was just hoping that OU had pulled it out, and they did. It was single digits, but they did. They're, I expect they're probably going to drop. They lost to Texas Tech, and then they barely beat Iowa State, who's the worst team in the Big 12. They have no Big 12 wins. I'm a little worried. <laughs> I'm a little worried. You know, they, they'll they eventually play that makeup game against Baylor, who is a juggernaut. West Virginia at home, we should beat them, but they're still a tough team. They're still a ranked team. That's not going to be – we should beat them, but it's not going to be easy. Got to play K-State again. If they play like they did against Iowa State, I'm not sure if – that's a slam dunk victory, especially Devin won in Manhattan since, oh, man, uh, 2012, 2011? Like, that's not going to be an easy game. Then you got Oklahoma State twice, which I expect them to split. So, and Texas again. Even though that's at home, that's going to be a tough game. A little worried. A little worried. But I think they'll be, they'll be fine at the end of the day. And they have cemented their status as a tournament team. And there's no way the wheels just going to fall off like that. No way. That's the only way that they play themselves back into the bubble is if they go on the type of losing streak they went on when Trey Young was here. Like, but I don't think so. This is too much of a well-balanced, well-coached team. They'll be fine. In football, Relique Brown, 2022. And, you know, I took a peek at the 2022 Recruiting class, overall, OU got a bunch of top 100 players in 2022. And then you pair that with Caleb Williams starting? Oh, my God. This is looking good. This is looking great. And we're getting recruits from both sides of the ball. What I'm hoping is this ain't like 2010 where we had a similar type of class and those guys mostly busted. And the best thing they did was beat Alabama their senior year or junior year, whatever. That's literally the best thing they, they that 2010 class did. Man, 
the future of Sooner football is looking good. Raleigh Brown, the five-star running back from Matter Day. We got somebody from Matter Day? That's what's up. It's looking good for OU football. It's looking good. I hope none of those guys flip. I hope, you know, we got all those guys. See, we was worrying about Kmar Wheaton. Lost him to Alabama. I, I never worried about it because I was like, this guy's not Adrian Peterson. Then we turn around and get the number one running back in the next year's class. We got the top two running backs in next year's class. And we, Kamar who? Yeah, whatever. This is going to be awesome. This is going to be awesome, and I can't wait to see it. This offense ain't going nowhere. The defense is going to continue to improve. I can't wait. I can't wait. All right, real quick, talk about the LeBron heckler. <laughs> the the chick that surprisingly younger than I am, uh, heckling LeBron, who had a back and forth with her husband. I think her husband said something that crossed the line. Um, according to the Athletic article, he didn't say anything that out of line, but I don't know. I don't know. Apparently, the woman's husband hates LeBron. I mean, on his Instagram, he just he's just a real-life internet LeBron hater. <laughs> and LeBron actually fought back, and the wife took offense to that and embarrassed herself and got kicked out of the game. Got called courtside Karen. Got harassed. I never followed her on Instagram. Uh, she kind of stood up to it very well. <clears throat> Everyone just flaming her. Even LeBron called her courtside Karen on it on Twitter. Everybody just flaming her, roasting her. I'm just like, man. I think it just all started because her husband just don't like LeBron and just went too far. Just this is talking too much. I guess he's a rich guy who got who always get courtside seats and it came back to bite him this time. It was very entertaining, the memes and the reaction and stuff. <laughs> oh man, courtside Karen. Dog. And that girl really was gonna fight for a man. But um she doesn't really care about LeBron like that. But she really cares about her man though, who is twice her age. But it is what it is. I'm not going to judge. People like who they like. It was just a very entertaining situation. And uh, LeBron's right. You know, he he did have a moment of gratitude because he misses that. He misses the fans being in the stands. He misses the fans being courtside. You don't really get that in the pandemic. And he got a little taste of that in Atlanta. I guess when you look at a big picture like that, that's not bad. You know, you you wish you wish her husband would settle down and she wouldn't have to rush to defend him, which he didn't defend her, which is kind of weird. But, you know, when you look at it, some sense of normalcy returned right there when you actually looked at it. And that's pretty cool. I <laughs> don't like how LeBron got heckled like that, but it happens. It happens. Uh, opinions are split on this, but... For the most part, people taking LeBron's side and saying the couples the couple are idiots and they're taking personal shots. I don't know them, so I'm not gonna say too much personal stuff. I'm not gonna make fun of them. I'm just gonna say they was just doing too much. <laughs> and it was very entertaining. Thank you very much for that. Anyway, let's get to what we got. The all American. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. What are we, three, four episodes in? Man, that's my show. The little football, high school football, drama. I don't even know if you can call it really a football type of TV show. It is centered around football players, but I'm like, eh, it's, it's very dramatic for a football show. This ain't really Remember the Titans and Friday Night Lights. Or maybe it is. I, I, I didn't watch Friday Night Lights. But, you know, I like the show. I like how Donnell came in for Chris when they were struggling. And they choked because they didn't go for two. And the kid missed the field goal. Coach Montez is like the female Bill Belichick for um Beverly Hills. I'm like, good Lord. There are women like that out there that really love football like that. And are smart like that. And can really coach up a football team if they wanted to. I'm literally... The leader of my flag football group 
is literally a, a Coach Montez. She's literally, she may be a little bit more relaxed than Coach Montez. She may be less nerdy than Coach Montez, but she's just like that. There are women out there like that. I don't trust Mo. That's Tyrone's sister. You know, the gang member that was terrorizing everybody the first season and a half. Sister is fine, though. Good Lord. Uh, I'll talk about her later. But, um, yeah. Crenshaw should have went for two. Darnell got to leave Crenshaw because his mom got hurt. His mom is a big military officer, uh, official. Ah, uh, that's a shame. That's that's sad, man. Hopefully, hopefully she all right, man. And you got this whole thing with Asher and Olivia and Olivia and Spencer and and you got Layla and Spencer. Then that Layla and Olivia, their friendship is always up and down because there's always guys that come in between them. It's crazy, bro. And then you got the, you know, Coach Montez's daughter in the middle of it. Man, it's this this show like that, bro. It comes on Monday. Today is Monday. I doubt I put the episode out today, but comes out on Monday. Monday at nine. I'ma record it. I'll probably watch it later. I'm excited. I'm excited. Big time big time drama. And you know, one of the stars of the show. The quarterback for Beverly Hills, you know, the guy that played Jordan Baker, he said it's really going to get intense, episode six and seven. So, oh, boy, that's in a few weeks. I can't wait to see that. So, yeah, can't wait. Can't wait. All American is my show. (laughs) It's barely you could. I don't even think it's a sports show, bro. It's just a straight up television drama. (laughs) There was a national women and girls in sports day and. That was really celebrated. I think that was last week, early last week. That's a pretty cool idea. I don't know who came up with it, but it's cool, you know. Never really have a problem with women in sports. I feel like they can do almost anything. Like, I've seen women play football. I've seen women coach football, be passionate about football. I've seen women play basketball. There's tons of women officiating basketball. Like, way more than you think. Way more than you think. Trust me. There's it's a lot of women in basketball. Maybe not as many in, in football, but they in basketball for sure. I used to love watching OU softball. Used to love watching OU gymnastics. It's just that should be celebrated because I'm sure way back in the day, it was taboo for women to play sports. Or maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't. Well, it, it wasn't a thing like it is now. I've seen women play everything. And then I saw yesterday women doing track yesterday. That was fun to watch. So, and, and you know, women all over sports media. I'm sure, you know, you know, they, I don't know what to say. Anyway, I just think it's pretty cool. And I didn't know it was a day for it. But, you know, all, every, all the, the women I follow that are in sports media or are athletes, they all celebrated the day. And that's pretty cool. And, yeah, I, I like that. I'm sure they go through a lot. They they go through a lot. Being in a genuinely man, man-dominated man field, they have their challenges. They have their struggles. But at the end of the day, this is what they're passionate in. And they get to enjoy it. And it wasn't always like that. And that's, that's probably why they, they celebrate women and girls in sports day even though it's somewhat normal for me these days uh let's see should the all-star game even happen i say no when De'Aaron fox said the game shouldn't happen my initial reaction was like oh he's just being a hater he's being ridiculous but then the more i thought about it the more i started reading comments i was like wait a minute it doesn't make sense to have this game it really doesn't you got people flying in from different parts of the country coronavirus is still a thing it's just that's gonna be tough to manage and their protocol looks shaky look at the kevin durant situation how he was in the game he was out of the game in the game out of the game and james harden said it best he was like wait a minute if you take kevin durant out for contact tracing 
shouldn't we all be out? Shouldn't we all not be playing? I don't think. And then LeBron and Giannis spoke out against the All-Star game. This All-Star game isn't happening. There's no way. And I'm cool with that. The Pro Bowl didn't happen. But the All-Star game is more fun. And everyone looks forward to that compared to the Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl is a joke compared to NBA All-Star weekend. But still, it shouldn't happen. We can do something else instead. We can do a celebration and we could do 2K. I'd be fine with that. It's 2021 and the pandemic is still in effect. So I'm fine with the game not happening. Now, NC State and Louisville, women's basketball, I watched that. That was a hell of a game. Louisville was like undefeated. They were the number one team in the country. And NC State pretty much had control of the game the whole second half. NC State had that girl named Dana Evans. No, Louisville did. I think her name Dana Evans. Like She had like 29. No one else really did anything else. No one else did anything. And, you know, uh, NC State got, got the big girl back. Um, and then NC State got Shakia Brown-Turner, the All-American who went to McNamara, my, my alma mater. So I that team raised an eyebrow, and I was like, okay, I like this team. Then they lost to North Carolina yesterday. And I took one look at that game, and I was like, they matched up with them size-wise. So, okay, they match up with them in size. North Carolina may not be that good, but all it takes is like a bad shooting day and – some turnovers, and you can lose to a team that can can match up with you well. And it's a rivalry. But you know, I, I like NC State still, even though they got two losses. And that last one was a head-scratcher, but I still like them, and I hope they do well. All right, so now let's get to some lists. So got the, the crushes list. 80th episode, anytime, every 10 episodes, I do the... The, the crushes power rankings just keep it top 10 i could go whole top 25 but top 10 so number 10 sunny in the city 95.5 radio host 10 o'clock i've liked her for years and she's been popping on social media lately so she's on my radar again number nine out of nowhere blessing okabare i think that's how you say it track star 60 meters 100-meter sprint, I believe. She's a beast. It, although she got a lot of muscles, she looks amazing. She looks amazing. Um, So she's number nine. Liz Cambage, number eight. She's the big from the Las Vegas Aces. She towers over me, but whatever. I like her. She's fine. JT's number seven. JT from City Girls, crazy. That's one crazy chick right there. Rapper. From the City Girls. Every time she tweets something, I'm like, man, this girl something else. <laughs> I just, it, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, number six, 40 bars, battle rapper. Anytime she posts a picture or video, anything, I'm just like, Lord Jesus. Jaw drops every time. Erica Peoples plays, she's number five. Plays Tyrone's sister on All-American. Bad. Super bad. Number four, Neely. Always on my list because, well, I've liked her ever since. B-B-O-T-T. Big Brother Over the Top. In 2016, she was my favorite on there. She's like 10 years older than me, but bad. Well, not 10, but close. Like eight or something. Bad. <laughs> Becca Winkert, number three, goes from unranked to number three. My favorite follower will follow. Well, we follow each other. But she's one of my she's my favorite wizards social media person. Favorite. Think she's she's director of a wizards blog. She's just amazing. She's just the way she covers the wizards, the way she tweets about the wizards. She has a podcast, too. She's amazing. And she looks great. That helps, too. So, Becca Winkert, all-star, Wizards blogger, social media person. 
follower, I think is Becca MVP. Or just search uh, Becca Winkert on Twitter, Becca MVP on Instagram. Uh, Joy Taylor, co-host of The Herd. Every time I look at her, jaw drops, heart stops. And I'd be like, damn! 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 (laughs) Ha ha. All right, and number one, still number one, Feminista Jones. The all-star blogger, social media writer, black feminist. Every time she sends something on Patreon, I learn something. I got to read through all that stuff. She has some really good content about black history, black women, especially black women who are big or or fat or whatever. She's just just awesome. She's, She's just awesome. She's very smart. Ivy League grad. And, you know, she thick. That helps, too. But, yeah, yeah, I, I like I like Feminista Jones. She, she's amazing. Yeah, I love all her content. I need to read more of it. it it's going to be tough to, to knock her off number one. Oh, and she's she's freaky, too. Helps. That helps. That helps. That helps. So. All right, so that's the, that is the, cru- the crushes list. So now, real quick. The top five lists of college football games I've been to real quick. So number five. Okay, let's start with honorable mentions. Top college football games I've been to. So in person. So honorable mention the 21st birthday present 2013 Oklahoma, Notre Dame. Oklahoma got revenge, beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame. I left Notre Dame Stadium with the finger up in the air. I discovered that Notre Dame fans were really nice. Some One of them invited me to the tailgate. They didn't even know who I was, but they invited me to the tailgate. I met Mike Bray, didn't know who he was, and I forgot that he went. I didn't even know he went to the Matha. Like, we could have had a 30-minute conversation just based off us being D.C. guys. That was fun. 2017 Ohio State OU. Baker flag plant. I was too busy celebrating to notice that he planted the flag. I didn't think it was a big deal until Kurt Herbstreet and everyone else commented on it. And Ohio State fans were crying about it. (laughs) That was a fun game, but it didn't make the list. Number five, college football games. Game I've seen in person. 2007, Norfolk State versus Hampton. It was a random game I went to. I don't know why I was at this game. I was I was on JV playing high school. So during my weekends, my weekends were free. So as a 10th grader, took this trip with my mom to Norfolk State, Seahampton, and Norfolk State won by a blocked field goal. By one point, the game-winning field goal was blocked. And I was like, okay, this this was a pretty entertaining game. Uh, t- number four, 2018 OU versus West Virginia. Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray went off. He killed it. The long runs he had, and we wasn't playing defense. I don't know what we were doing on defense. Buki got benched. And uh, that's another thing. Buki is transferring. I forgot to put that to Sooner Schooner. Um, appreciate all he did for OU, but, you know, I guess time to go. I wish him well. But that was a very entertaining game, and it wasn't as cold as it usually is in West Virginia that time of year. But the traffic was awful. You hear me? It was awful. 2018 OU Texas. OU lost. But it was a very entertaining game, like back and forth, up and down the field. Great offense on both sides. We couldn't stop Sam Ellinger at all, but they couldn't stop Kyler Murray. He brought them back from down 21. It was awesome. It was a hell of a game. I can't lie, even though we lost. And I knew we'd come back and beat them in a championship, and we did. I have no problem with losing that game. Even though I would I would have loved to have the golden hat, but we had we got the title instead. 
so it made up for it. 2012 Bedlam, number two. Won that game in overtime after, you know, Joseph Randall and the boys kind of took it to us at first. But OU battled back, and they got a game-winning touchdown in overtime, Brennan Clay. Man, that was an okay season. That was the season they got. They lost to Heisman finalists. The three losses they had was to Heisman finalists. That was a fun season. That was a fun game. And that would have been number one on my list forever until 2015 OU and TCU happened. My very last game as a student at OU, playing TCU, last game of the season. We win this, we're going to the playoffs, most certainly. We're taking care of business first half. And it's cold. It is very cold. I'm loading up on hand warmers. My teacher slash compliance officer, whatever. I don't I don't know what his rank is. But uh Mr. Mr. Toby, Mr. Toby, he gave me uh hand warmers at the student section and you know, I, I got moved off my spot a little bit. I was a little heated about that. But there we were, man, watching that game. And Baker Mayfield got hurt. He had a concussion. Um, Trevor Knight tried to give away the game. And TCU benched their second-string quarterback for a third-string quarterback who brought them back. His legs were killing us. Like, the way he was scrambling was killing us. And they brought them back, and they scored that last touchdown, I thought for sure was the end. They were going for two to win the game, and Stephen Parker batted the ball in the air, and we won that game, and we went to the playoffs. Bro, I was so excited. That was the number one game I've been to in person. Like, the ups and the downs and the way it ended, that's that's number one. That's the number one college game I've been to in person. Well, okay. Yeah, that was cool. That was fine. There you go. The top five games I've college games I've been to in person. There you go. So now it's time for the hypothetical game of the episode. So here we go. Back to the mini tournament. The other half of the mini tournament. The first half was 2019 LSU versus 2011 Alabama, which 2019 LSU came out on top. So now it's 95 Nebraska versus 2001 Miami, two of the greatest teams of all time. So I looked at a YouTube video comparing 95 Nebraska, 2011, no. 2001 Miami and 2019 LSU and they basically said 95 Nebraska was the most dominant team. Miami was the most talented and LSU had the toughest competition and had the best offense. But they said 95 was the most dominant and technically the best ever by their metric. But I looked at it and I was like Nebraska didn't even throw for 1,500 yards as a team. They only had one 1,000-yard rusher, but only because Lawrence Phillips got in some trouble. I read up read up on that, too. But he killed it in a championship. Oh, they destroyed everyone. I feel bad for Kansas. They were number 10 in the country. This is one of the best seasons they had in modern history. They only lost two games. That was uh, Nebraska and Kansas State, I believe. No, wait. No, Nebraska was one of them. Yeah. It was 14-3 at halftime, then 41-3 at the end of the game. Nebraska, I was like, what's so special about this team? How are they scoring 50 points a game with less than 2,000 yards passing? They just run the ball. I, I just looked at their highlights versus Florida and even versus Kansas. They'll get in the I formation. They'll run the ball. Then they'll turn around, do a triple option or a speed option. All they really did was run and play defense, and they killed people. Unbelievable. But then you got Miami, 2001 Miami, for so many turnovers. 
They force four turnovers a game. That's unreal. That's unbelievable. They force four turnovers against Nebraska. They forced about five turnovers against Virginia Tech. I think that was a game they almost lost that almost stopped them from going to the national championship. Ed Reed had like two picks in that game. Ed Reed. Ed Reed had nine interceptions. Philip Buchanan had five interceptions. They had like 20-something NFL players. Unbelievable. 38 players. No, here we go. 38 players drafted. 17 first-round picks. Willis McGahee and Frank Gore were backups. They had Andre Johnson, Jeremy Shockey, Ken Dorsey, Clinton Portis on defense. They had Vince Wilfork, Jonathan Vilma, Philip Buchanan, Ed Reed. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm probably missing some folks. That team was unbelievable. Unbelievable. They got some Hall of Famers in there, too. Yet, somehow, they barely beat Boston College, and they barely beat Virginia Tech. Head-scratching. Very head-scratching. And even Nebraska, that is a much closer game if Nebraska didn't have four turnovers. They lose the Virginia Tech game if they didn't force five turnovers. That's kind of head-scratching. They're a very talented team with all these NFL players, but sometimes they were loafing. And they had a just a slightly above-average quarterback. But here we go. In this hypothetical game of the episode, throw all that stuff out and put them in between the lines. I had to make up something because what if sports wouldn't let me take the easy way out because they didn't have 95 Nebraska. Like, how do you not have 95 Nebraska? Like, what are we doing here? Anyway, here's what I came up with. Oh, and Miami had six All-Americans. Unbelievable. So the first quarter, 0-0. Both teams stopping the run pretty well. Not much passing going on. Pressure on the quarterback. Vince Wilfork's killing it. And then... Nebraska opens the scoring with a pretty good drive and then a play-action pass, 20-yard pass to Cluster Johnson. And they did a fake field goal and got the two-point conversion. So it's 8 nothing Nebraska. But then Miami answers right back with a nice drive of their own and then a one-yard TD from Frank Gore. So it's 8-7 Nebraska at the half. It's a pretty, you know, low-scoring, defensive, physical game. Unlike the 2001 National Championship. <laughs> uh, three and outs to start the second. Then Dorsey hits Andre Johnson on a deep post. They all of a sudden can't com- cover Andre Johnson, who's a beast. 14-8. And then it ends up being 14-8 at the end of the third. Uh, Shockey has an amazing touchdown catch where he mosses the safety for a touchdown to make it 21-8 in the fourth quarter. Ed Reed gets an interception on the next possession, but the offense is stalled. The offense stalls, and then, but then Miami once again stops Nebraska, and they come back with a with a nice slant pass to Ethnic Sands. And uh, Jeremy Shockey got another completion and a nice run by Clinton Portis. But they come up short in the red zone and kick a field goal. It is 24-8 Miami. So Nebraska then drives down the field, mostly doing the option. And then Tommy Frazier scores the quarterback, which... Had like 500 rushing yards, 600, I believe. He scored. Then Lawrence Phillips punches it in for a two-point conversion. Now we got a game again. It's 24-16. Miami stalls. And then Nebraska drives again after a long run from Lawrence Phillips. Then Amon Green gets a carry and carries it for 15 yards. Then Frazier takes the option for about 20-something yards. However, Tommy Frazier throws a pick in the end zone to who else? Ed Reed, 
who runs, jukes some linemen, jukes a receiver, but gets tackled at the 50. After Miami kind of stalls out and only gains a yard, Clinton Portis takes a draw play and bursts through the middle and scores on a 49-yard touchdown to pretty much seal the game. Uh, Tom runs out on Nebraska trying to cut the lead, and it's 31-16 Miami, and they win. 2001 Miami wins 31-16 and will face 2019 LSU in mini tournament number two championship next week. And that is the hypothetical game of the episode and the end of the episode. It's Young Van Pugh, baby, and I'm out. Peace. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Goat Level Podcast. Make sure you share, subscribe, and get money.